Hey there, FPO family. Welcome to this episode of our midweek meditation. And just wanted to remind everybody, as we mentioned last week and have sent out uh, via Realm and email and some other uh, avenues, uh, today is the first week that the structure of our midweek meditation is changing. If you've been following along with us in the FPO Bible Reading Plan, you know that we're systematically walking through uh, books of the Bible. And our plan for the future of this show is to put forth a new episode each time we begin one of the new books or letters of the New Testament uh, and to view it as kind of an opportunity to talk about the book or the letter as a whole, uh, to do a bit of a kind of introductory work, to do some overview work, uh, to talk about the context of each of these letters, uh, where necessary to talk about the author, Uh, to talk about major themes, to talk about passages that we're going to approach that maybe are difficult or just to be aware of how to read them correctly, and ultimately to give us a guide to aid our engagement with this particular piece of Scripture um, whenever we begin to engage it. And so today uh, we started reading the book, the letter, uh, the writing of Hebrews. Hebrews. And so as we dive in today, uh, one of the things we want to do is what we just said uh, about what we look to do each week. Hebrews, James, is is a pretty unique piece of writing for the New Testament. You know, you've got the Gospels, and then you've got all these letters. And Mm -hmm. Hebrews is kind of shoved in the middle of these letters. Mm -hmm. You know, so you turn the page before, and you're looking at the letter to Titus. Mm -hmm. You turn the page after... And you get the letter that James wrote to the church. Hebrews looks and reads and feels very different to probably whatever else we have in the Mm -hmm. New Testament. So we were talking earlier about maybe a good way to approach Hebrews. Why don't you fill out some of that that we were talking about? Yeah, you notice that Hebrews starts instead of saying, Greetings, I so-and-so to you so-and-so, you know. Most of the letter, all the other letters start with, hey, this is who's writing it. Some kind of introduction, introduction. to the audience. But a letter introduction. The author. Mm-hmm. This one starts rather than with a formal letter introduction. It starts long ago. <laughs> At many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, which sounds to me like a really good sermon introduction. Yes. If you were to stand up and you were to be teaching about uh, what God has put in. We always try to come up with gripping introductions in order to bring people in to prepare for the teaching we're about to do. And so I think one of the helpful ways to read Hebrews is to say, this is how I understand it personally, is that the book of Hebrews is a sermon that was given by somebody who was preaching at the foundation of the Christian church. And so we see what they're doing is they're constantly turning back to an Old Testament passage. They're explaining what it means. They're showing how it points to Christ. And then they're making an application. That structure happens throughout the whole letter. And there's about five points that way. Uh, Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than... That's all your points going through. And every time you've got Old Testament explanation application as you're working through this letter. Um, if you were to sit down and just read it out loud as if you were preaching it, it'd take you about 40 minutes, which is another maybe indication that it was a nice little 
sermon. Uh, it's a good length, a little bit longer than we do at FPO, but yeah. uh, inspired sermon length, 40 minutes, 40 minutes to an hour. Right. We, we have good reason to preach. For yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, <laughs> and so this was probably, I mean, a, a sermon, a teaching time that was given, but then was recorded mm-hmm. and then therefore used as a piece of writing, a piece of literature mm-hmm. for the church. And the yeah. reason why it's so important is because of the point that you made that it throughout highlights, hey, Jesus is better. And we're going to dive yeah. into a minute, better than what? Uh-huh. Um, but that's why this has become such a valuable piece of literature for the church that the early church received and adopted into uh, the scriptures. Right. Now, one of the interesting things about having that is that since it doesn't start with I so-and-so am writing to you so-and-so, we don't exactly know who wrote or who spoke the letter to the Hebrews. Why don't you talk about some of those things? Yeah, so again, uh, I think a couple of things to say is, one, um, it's okay to say we don't know who wrote this. Yeah, That does not diminish the integrity and the truthfulness of this being inspired by God. Right. Right. Because what's written in it, again, is true. Uh, It talks about throughout of paying close attention to what we've heard. What have we heard? We've heard the apostles' teaching. And so all of this is in line with the apostles' teaching. As you mentioned, it makes use of reference to and commentary on the Old Testament throughout. So this is a piece of Scripture, and the fact that we don't know for certain who the author is should not undermine our our trust in it. Mm-hmm. Additionally, the church received it as authoritative, and it's been part of the Scriptures from the beginning. It was quoted by... Clement of Rome, right. who was a major uh, Christian leader in Rome in like 96 AD. We know exactly when he wrote. He was quoting from Hebrews. So we know that it was written really early. Right. Uh, it, it was right. received as authoritative. Many of the apostles are still alive at this point. Yes. So if, if things are circulating in the church that the apostles have any concern with, mm-hmm. That would have been raised. Yeah. We would have seen that in other writings. Mm-hmm. We would have seen them saying, hey, and beware. Beware of the false teachers. Beware of this kind of teaching that's coming out. But we don't see any of that. We actually right. see the apostles receiving this and saying, yeah, yeah, this is basically what we've been saying. Yeah, um, We need to receive this. And so the, there has been debate about, okay, well, who, who wrote it? Somebody wrote it. Somebody spoke it. There's been arguments that it was Paul. There's been arguments that it was Luke. There's been arguments that it was Barnabas and and, and arguments, you know, even for other people than that. I think we don't have to get off in the weeds and try Mm -hmm. to figure out exactly who it is. Uh, The scriptures don't tell us who wrote it. And so we can stop there and say we're not sure. But at the end of the day, all scripture, even as Hebrew tells us, has been breathed out by God. And so we can trust that the ultimate author of not only this writing of Hebrews, but all of the scriptures is that God breathed them out. That's why we trust them. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell us a little bit about the context. We mentioned a minute ago that Hebrews kind of keeps coming back to this idea that Jesus is better. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the the author's line of reasoning, uh, but that makes perfect sense based on the context of who this speech or the sermon, this writing ultimately uh, was given to. So fill some of that out for us. Yeah, well, I think, you know, we don't have to go too far. It is known as uh, the letter of the sermon to the Hebrews. Uh, It's to Jewish people. And as we're reading through 
what is actually written down here, it becomes pretty clear that it's not just Jewish people who are being uh, written or spoken to. It, it seems that it's Jewish converts to Christianity who, because of the persecution that arises in the early church, are now beginning to think about returning back to the Jewish traditions and faith. And so we get lots and lots of Old Testament teaching about the pillars and the most important parts of the Jewish faith. And as he's explaining what they are and why they are good, he then comes around and says, hey, I know you want to turn back to that because it's familiar and because you may not be persecuted. But Jesus is the fulfillment of that. Mm. And so you don't need to go back to what you've come out of. You need to stay in Christ. You need to be holding fast to the fulfillment of all of these things. And so that means as we're moving through Hebrews, the question that we need to be asking ourselves as modern day readers is, okay, every single point of Hebrews is basically saying Jesus is better than this. What is Jesus better than? Well, we're going to see that he's better than Moses. We're going to see that his sacrifice is once for all and not repetitive. And he's not only better than the sacrifices, he is better in the fulfillment of Aaron and the Levitical priesthoods. He is bringing us into the better and fulfilled temple uh, in heaven, in glory, rather than the one that exists, exists on earth. And so the we're promised seeing, land that he provides is better than the earthly, physical promised land. It's, exactly. It's, you know, just to, to stop and dive in a little bit more there, um, that makes sense when we look at it. These Christians are being persecuted, and they're, in a sense, you can hear them being like, hey, remember when, when we were just Jews and that was easier? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jesus is great, but hey, Jesus was Jewish. What if we just kind of went back to what we used to do? Mm-hmm. And it would kind of alleviate the pressure. It would let the air out of the balloon a little bit. Everyone was okay with us when we Everybody were Everybody was okay Jewish. with that. And still, people are still okay with the Jews. Even the Jewish people are persecuting us. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be easier if we just kind of went back? Mm-hmm. And the entire point, as you said, is a reminder that you can't go back. Yeah. Because Jesus has fulfilled all of these things. Judaism was... Uh, types and shadows pointing forward arrows pointing forward to the fulfillment of it and Jesus has come yeah so to go back would to leave the fulfillment and the real thing and to go back to the types and the shadows and the unfulfillment of it why would you go back to the temple the true temple is here mm-hmm. why would you go back to the law of Moses Jesus is the true prophet who has come and fulfilled the law for us. Yeah. Why would you go back to try to resettle the promised land? Jesus is creating a kingdom that's going to span the entire globe. Mm-hmm. It's a better promised land. Mm-hmm. Why would you go back to the slaughtering of animals that we're told actually don't even accomplish the <laughs> forgiveness of sins? Jesus, the Lamb of God, has given a once-for-all sacrifice. And yeah. so his line of reasoning is when you look at it rationally, one, you cannot go back. There's no going back. The lights have been turned on. The curtain is being flung wide open. Mm-hmm. The fulfillment has taken place. And then secondly, because that's the case, you don't actually want to go back. Yeah, You have the real thing. Mm-hmm. Why would you trade in the real thing for something that's phony? That's right. Phony's not right. That's disrespectful. That's incomplete mm-hmm. and was never intended to be the fulfillment. So his line of reasoning to these Jewish Christians, these Christians who've coming out of Judaism, is the temptation 
is to walk away from Christ because life will be easier. Mm-hmm. You can't walk away. And that's so applicatory to us mm-hmm. right now. We're going to have temptations all around <clears throat> us of, hey, it would be really easy if I just didn't do this. If I just if I just walked away from Christ a little bit, if I just didn't live for him in this area of my life, like whether that is uh, evangelism, which can be hard, or whether that is um, your regular spiritual disciplines and pointing yourself to the Lord every day, or whether that is your faithfulness in your relationships and your sexuality, whether that is whatever it is. Mm -hmm. There are so many temptations where we say, it would be a lot easier if I just... You know, let this. I walked away from Jesus here. Following Jesus in this area of my life mm-hmm. is hard. Yeah, and the temptation is to cave. Yeah, in this area to avoid the difficulty of my own life or the pressure and the persecution that comes from the watching world that laughs and mocks mm-hmm. at the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, in overt ways and just really subtle ways. That's right. That's right. That that brings us to a good uh, point to talk a little bit about. Um, we see this theme throughout, and you've said it. The theme throughout is uh, hold fast to Christ. Mm-hmm. Turn to Christ. That's the only way to endure well is to constantly fix our gaze upon Jesus. I mean, that's what Hebrews chapter 12 mm-hmm. um, says. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, mm-hmm. looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And so yeah. that right there is the prescription. Yeah for the Christian life and for those of us who feel the temptation to go, oh, it just probably would be easier to not follow Jesus. It's like, you know what? You're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. On, it is hard. On one level, it would feel easier in the short run, but you can't go back. Mm-hmm. And when you look at it objectively, who Jesus is and what Jesus offers, you don't want to go back. Yeah. When we really see who he is and when we've really focused our eyes on him, we don't want to go back. That's right. He's so much better than anything else out there in the world. That's right. He fulfills us. Jesus is better than anything and everything out mm. there for us. Um, well said. Let's let's look for a second at Hebrews chapter six. Yeah, we let's do that. one of the things we mentioned we wanted to do each time is just to draw your attention to passages that as you read them, you may start going, wait a second, mm-hmm. what's going on here? Uh, scripture at times uh, on the surface seems to communicate things that we would go, wow, that that feels different than where I'm reading in other places. And in Hebrews chapter 6, we're not going to read the whole passage, the first half of it. Um, The writer begins talking about uh, those who have been a part of the covenant community, but then walk away from the faith. And he Mm -hmm. uses this phrase, which sounds alarming the first time we read it. In chapter 4, or verse 4 of chapter 6, it says, For it is impossible to restore again to repentance those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, have shared in the Holy Spirit, have tasted the goodness of the Word of God, the powers of the age to come. If they then fall away, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. And on the surface, the question that immediately pops up is like, wow, is he... Is he talking about people who've lost their salvation? Mm-hmm. People who've tasted the Holy Spirit. They've shared in the goodness of God. They walk away. It's impossible to restore them again to repentance. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, those of us with 
reformed minds are going, wait a second, perseverance <laughs> of the saints, what's happening here? Yeah. Is he talking about people losing their salvation? There's a reason why we've had all the conversation we had before. Mm-hmm. And so help us understand maybe a better way to read and comprehend what the writer's trying to tell us. Yeah, here. I think we have to go back uh, to our context, first of all. We are looking at Jewish Christians, Jewish converts, who are thinking about falling away. And so Hebrews 6 is a real warning saying, hey, if you do turn away, now that you have been in the the new covenant community, that is going to be worse for you, and it's going to have more of a severe punishment than if you had never come in the first place. Mm. We are going. You have now received uh, new teaching about who Christ is. You know more. Um, not none of these things in Hebrews six perfectly and one hundred percent absolutely describe somebody who has been elected and regenerate. Uh, they describe people who are. In the covenant community, you can taste of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Who are part of the church? Who are part of the church? Right. Yeah, they're, they're a part of the rhythms of the church. We they taste of the Holy church. Spirit every single Sunday. That's right. We they hear the songs. They hear the teaching. They're right. interacting with believers. They know the gospel. Mm-hmm. They know that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. They yeah. know that He's the only way to salvation. Mm-hmm. And for people who know those things objectively or in their minds, but then walk away and say no to that, what mm-hmm. he's saying is, well, that's a massive amount of rejection. Yeah, You're rejecting revealed truth, and you're in a worse place than just the pagan who's never heard any of these things. That's right. That's and right. he's still rejecting God. He's rejecting Jesus, but in some way it's a passive rejection. He doesn't mm-hmm. know exactly what he's rejecting. So we, we've got this. We're talking about apostasy. But what we understand as we're reading Hebrews 6, in the context of the rest of Scripture, which makes it very clear, Jesus himself says that he will never let his people go. He's always going to hold on to them, and we're trusting Jesus to hold us fast. Right. And so we're looking at people here who have come into the covenant community, who have been regular attenders, maybe members of the church, who have maybe even professed faith, but then at some point... Uh, pers- Persecution happens, difficulties arise, and they decide that it would be easier to drift and to fall away and to turn to all the other things out there. Uh, Jesus himself, though he says, I will never let you go, I will always hold you fast. He also says in Matthew that the church, the kingdom of God, is like the sower who sows lots of good seed in a field, but then weeds also grow up. And so if, if we think about that as the church, we're going to have good wheat bearing good fruit. And converted right, believers. Converted believers. And right next to that great wheat is also a weed that has bad fruit. Mm. And so you don't go through and tear up the weeds because that's going to hurt the rest of the church, the rest of the crop. And so what Jesus says is at the end of the age, you're going to take all of it up. And at the end of the age, you're going to separate the good from the bad, the sheep from the goats. And so, too, we should expect there are those in the covenant community of the church that are not fully regenerate. They don't have genuine faith. They don't have genuine they faith. They look like the real thing. They, mm-hmm. they at times talk the talk, but their hearts, uh, you know, it's what Jesus said to the Pharisees. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, mm-hmm. right? We see the apostle John writing one of his letters uh, talking about this exact thing, there were those who were among us, and they went out from us, mm-hmm. but they were never actually a part of us. Yeah, they look like the real deal, but they're abandoning exposed 
who they really were. Mm-hmm. And so that's what the writer is getting to in Hebrews chapter 6. He's saying you're going to experience this. Some around you, some of you even, mm-hmm. are going to walk away. Don't get it twisted. You've abandoned Jesus Christ, and what you're showing is that you never actually really belong to him because yeah. as we've talked about in our studies of revelation in the past the one who endures to the end will be saved yes jesus will keep his people that's right so those who walk away and say no to jesus show yeah it was always surface i was never actually a part of it i tagged along for a while and then when things got hard i was like oh boy mm-hmm. this is too hard i'm going to say no to jesus and that's so that's right. a great warning for us to it keep is. us driven it should to christ be, it should as as Christians, we should do some self-examination. We should say, well, where's my heart? Am I persevering or am I drifting away and letting these things go cold? Mm. Uh, we really should let this warning wake us up so that we examine ourselves and do exactly what the author of Hebrews wants us to do is look to Jesus. Yes, that's probably a good place to end today in light of time. Um, We hope that your study and reading of the letter to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, the sermon of Hebrews, whatever it is, (laughs) over the next uh, couple of weeks is fruitful. And we pray, just as James has said, that it, it does what the author intends, that it causes us to look to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. The only way that you and I who trust Jesus today are going to continue trusting Jesus is if we constantly turn our eyes to him. As the song says, we look full in his wonderful face. We're reminded again about who he is. We're reminded again about what he's done and about how not only can we not turn back, but that when we understand who Jesus is and what he's done, we don't want to turn back. Because Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of all of these things. In Jesus is the life we're looking for. Mm. We love you guys. Uh, We hope your reading of the scriptures is blessed. See you next time.